and we are live back at conversations we're back again it's myself with dapo laupa dapo how you feeling today i'm good yeah we're recording um, this on thursday evening how's your week been it's been good uh been keeping busy right there i'm actually rendering some 3d stuff so if you hear any hum in the background that's my laptop gasping for air no worries is back at conversations let's get right into it i think the first thing we should talk about today is uh anthony joshua's fight you know happened over the weekend um it was the biggest news on the web during and after the fight and i watched all 12 rounds and it was wow. something yeah it was one of those things where you know i saw the entrance i saw him come in he had a really mean look you know going he didn't want to didn't want to smile he didn't want to talk to anybody like he was like full full on focus and then i i was just rooting for him like the whole time obviously but the way the fight turned out it was it was kind of unfortunate how much of the fight did you see i didn't see any of it um I just like got on Twitter and started seeing people tweeting about it and uh like from what I started seeing um it just looked like he got his ass handed to him uh which was disappointing because I was like ah no no it was really sad because I saw this fight and there, I think the ninth round was where everything um and uh I I wouldn't say turn around. It it was a moment where AJ gave his supporters a lot of hope. He did something yeah. we expected him to do where he was uh rushing Usyk. And Usyk is the kind of person who I I think he has way more endurance than Anthony Joshua. And one thing I also noticed about Anthony Joshua is his stamina kind of drops in the later stages of the fight. And so he struggles to even, you know, shield his face and protect himself. which after the ninth round yeah because like you want to you want to finish as early as possible yeah because with each round that keeps going you know you're getting worn out more and if someone is playing the defensive then the longer the game uh, the fight goes the sure. more they have the advantage exactly and and when 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 the ninth round happened or something you would think oh man like AJ is in it now right like he could actually win this fight but the 10th round was the exact opposite like Usyk came out and beat the crap out of this dude and we thought maybe okay 11th like AJ is going to come back again like it's, it's going to ping pong back and forth we didn't see that uh we saw glimpses of of hope like you know some body shots but he barely i don't recall a time where he punched um was like in the, in the face or in the head like he he didn't have a knockout blow moment that we gasped and thought whoa this could be it right but mm. on the other end uh Usyk was just landing blows left right and center and um and the sad thing about this fight is wait ended i i think AJ is a bit of a sore loser either that or maybe he <laughs> he's going through something deeply personal that we don't know cuz he's a professional right we can sit here and yeah. comment about how we fought what he should have done But trust me, I wouldn't square up with this guy, you know, regardless of what it sounds like I know about the fight. And I saw what he did about, you know, not really looking at his camp after the fight. He felt I think he must have felt let down by the camp. 
and the training regimen and everything that he'd been on because he waited two years to get this rematch, right? And once you lose back-to-back like this, it becomes harder to fight for titles. Yeah. So if either you go back to fighting, I don't want to say street fighters, but um, <laughs> people who don't really have belts or whatever, but it's going to be a struggle for him to, to come back. But he's, he still does have the brand. He's still AJ, right? And so there's, yeah. there's other stuff he can get into. It just kind of sucks. I guess uh, whatever is next for him, it'll probably be it'll probably be like a one step back, you know, two steps forward. Hopefully, you know, mm-hmm. for him. Um, yeah. I mean, we're still all rooting for him. Oh, so definitely. hopefully, he wins his next one. <laughs> Honestly, that's what I'm hoping for. And and to to pile on the the horror, on the same day, Kamaru Usman was there fighting and you know trying to secure his belt. He already had the belt, you know, it does a challenger for the title. And I was out when this fight was on, and it was at a party somewhere, and we had some guys in the corner just streaming the fight on their phone. And every time I would check in, like, how's it going? And they're like, man, Kamaru's going to be the crap out of this guy. Like, Kamaru's, like, winning. It's like, oh, yeah, that's for sure. Like, you know, he's handling business. And the next thing I looked back and turned to these guys, I'm like, asking them, and I see their hands on their heads. <laughs> uh-huh. Bro, I saw, man, 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 I saw the cake they give Kamaru, like, Oh my goodness, his face shifted. He felt like his eyes were just like shiny like this, man, bro. Oh, yeah, man, I have to go look that up on YouTube. Oh, bro, you gotta, you gotta. And, and the thing I heard about the fight, people who saw the entirety of it was like, Kamaru had this fight in the, in the bag. All he had to do was just like wait it out and try and, you know, like get that guy to come for him because Kamaru already won on points and everything, right? But I think he got too confident, and he still wanted to knock out this guy, even though he was already winning. And this dude, oh, uh, someone, someone who's renowned for his kicks, apparently, and dude gave Kamara one in the face, like boom, lights out, man, lights out. I'm sure Kamara will come back to. I don't know what his next fight will be. He might there might be a rematch or whatever, but uh, I'm curious to see you know his next fight. I mean, in the next one, he'll probably just like take the points and, and run. <laughs> Yeah, I know before the fight, he tweeted, I think a couple of days prior, like, man, I'm about to go beat another person speaking, right? Almost uh... like, you know, so confident. And then after he lost, he came back and tweeted, like, you know, like, hey, you know, winners fall or something like that, but you got to rise again. And so, um, Style Bender, of all the fighters uh, currently, I mean, there's more than just like Kamaru, Style Bender, and AJ, like, repping Nigeria in, in physical combat, quote unquote, or yeah. like, fighting. But there are the three more popular ones, and yep. I I think Style Bender is still um, one of the guys that's still like uh, on top. I I don't know when his next fight is gonna be, but definitely all eyes. I'm gonna ask him. that. Yeah, all eyes. Yeah, him. Uh, we we don't want the three for three. I beg. Hat trick of ass whooping. <laughs> all right. Oh man, let's talk about the elephant, or should I say the dragon in the room? The HBO uh, House of the Dragon premiere. Oh boy! I know you haven't finished the episode, the 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 pilot. I oh. haven't. I I started it just before. No, not just before. Like minutes before we got on the call, but um, I got caught up doing some other things and then had to pause. Uh, and in fact, my I didn't plan on like watching it watching it you know following it like that my plan yeah. was just oh i'd wait it out 
and see what other people have to say about it and then maybe go binge watch it after like a couple of episodes have already come out right but all of the reception i've been seeing online was like positive 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 and so i was like okay i might as well not let people spoil it for me so let me just go ahead and you know jump in plus i mean i really like Game of thrones um this is also an opportunity for hbo to kind of redeem the bad tastes they mm-hmm. left in our mouth from yeah. the game of thrones ending agreed agreed and i, I know i read somewhere recently because there's no way that this is not going to be compared to, to game of thrones right this is literally oh yeah definitely you know it's it's part of the same family and um george R. R. martin actually wanted 10 or maybe even 12 seasons of game of thrones and was truncated to eight seasons right and it seemed like it lasted forever you know it's like it was this fantasy epic one thing i will say though is you know thankfully hbo don't have to essentially spend as much money in making this um show as they did game of thrones because they will still have a lot of things left over in terms of like props and even vfx assets right uh but they did an amazing job Uh, well i mean this is one of the most expensive tv shows made and from the very first episode i mean before we started seeing you know like big cgi dragons in game of thrones that took a while yeah right but here we're seeing that you know full view right from the first episode oh yeah they're already spending they're already spending that money um yeah oh yeah they are and fun fun fact one thing i i uh discovered um recently at a vfx conference was some of the the assets they use for crowd in game of thrones where some of the weather digital assets they reuse from like lord of the rings you know when they have like orcs or whatever and yeah because like that's one of the largest crowd simulations ever put in film um so I'm not surprised that someone would reuse it. Either they would reuse the assets or they remodel or they reuse the rigs or they reuse, you know, the scripting for variation, things like that. Yeah. Like, and, and, and to your point, I'm looking at GQ right now and it seems House of the Dragon is, is costing HBO $20 million per episode. Um, yeah. Where Game of Thrones, the first five seasons were on average $6 million per episode. And then season six and seven were like 10 M per episode. So yeah, this is, this is, this is immense. Right. And, and it still pales in comparison to, um, new Lord of the Rings, uh, from Amazon. That's been already, yeah, that you know, cost even more. Yeah. It costs so that more. one cost even more. Yeah. Yeah. Over $400 million so far, uh, the budget. And I know there's, um, there's been a couple of reviews out already. Um, I haven't read any because even if they say spoiler free, I don't want to get a taste of it because I can actually watch it. But people are saying, yeah. you know, it's, um, it's big, it's bold, it's beautiful. I think that's a quote from Variety uh, magazine or something like that. And I'm not sure, but I, I heard somewhere also that they're going to be releasing the first two episodes in theaters, which is that's kind of like a bold move. Um, I don't think they're doing it for the ticket sales. I feel like they just want people to have the big screen experience. Yeah, it's like maybe it's like a marketing thing, like leading to to get exactly. people to go watch the rest of it. Yeah, exactly. And and I I forget who it was was commenting about how the comparison is fabricated. It's not real. You know, the one between Game of Thrones and Ring of Power, 
and I couldn't do but I couldn't help but like you know scoff at that kind of comment like it's inevitable right these are epic fantasy of shows course. of course <laughs> released of side course. by side you know yeah it's, it's, it has everything like, it has streaming wars it even has even the books like whenever you know a high fantasy or epic fantasy novel comes out um they would often get compared to Tolkien. Um, they will often get compared to now uh, George R. R. Martin. So, and then both shows coming out at about the same time, of course they're going to get compared to each other, like no doubt. It's inevitable. I'm, I, I'm almost certain I'm going to be watching every single episode of both shows and I will have my honest review. And so far, The House of the Dragon, I'm not going to say like it blew me away or, or anything, but I think it was, it was really good and I know it's only going to get better. Yeah, I can't wait to see to finish this first episode. Um, and of course, how I feel at the end of the episode will determine how hype I am for the rest of the season. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. And let's pivot to sports right now. You know, last time you and I talked, um, you had just gotten a trounce in. And it seemed like <laughs> it seemed like they were going to follow it up with more uh, whooping in the hands of uh, at the hands of Liverpool. Yeah, um, you you were being pessimistic already. I was, I was, and honestly, the Man United manager, uh, Mr. Eric Ten Hag, is going to make me eat my words, <laughs> because what I saw in that game, because I saw the full 90 minutes, I was kind of confused yeah. for a bit, because it seemed like, you know how there's a simulation that, that breaks, and you're like, <laughs> yeah, something's happening somewhere, like football is broken. To be fair, Liverpool have started the season on shaky foot, right? They haven't won a game yet this season. They drew their first game against Fulham. They drew their second game against uh, Crystal Palace. They could have lost that game easily because they even got uh, red-carded. And going to Old Trafford after a 9-0 aggregate last season, it felt like the perfect game for them to bounce back and and change their fortunes. But nah, man. Um, Man United had a point. They wasn't having it. No, they they really were not having it. And, And apparently what happened... After the game, they lost to Brentford 4-0. Yeah. Well, because, you know, Brentford had run 8.5 kilometers more than the United players on, on the day, the manager made sure they all ran that 8K. during Like, the, the day off they're supposed to have, Ooh. he canceled the day off. So he said, you're going to make up that 8K you lost on the pitch. And more reports came out that apparently even the coach joined in the 8K because it's like, he's got to take some responsibility too. And that's when I knew this guy's... Yeah, it's something mm. else. Because this is a dude in his 50s, right? He's not a kid. And yeah. so him That's running with level. all these athletes who pretty much have the perfect diet, the perfect workout routine, for them, 8.5K might not be a lot. But for him, who probably doesn't, I don't know his fitness levels, right? But um, that, that, that kind of shows me his commitment level and how, you know, invested he is in, in taking responsibility and ownership. Yeah, is in, in like that, that's, that's how good leadership is, you know. It's like really? you putting yourself in the shoes of those people you are asking to do the thing that you want them to do. Um, oh, yeah. It's interesting to hear that, like, that loss or that string of losses really shook them up. And the way they played in that game, it was a, it was almost like you were watching a different team because they could have easily gone to four. Yep, you know, you could have done way better. And watching familiar faces like Bruno putting a shift in, you know, even though he had moments that were really shaky in the game, but he really came through. I think Liverpool players also might be low on confidence, which is why I'm really keen on 
their next game in the league against Bournemouth because I feel like they need to win more than anything. I think they're 17th in the league now after three games. It's like unheard of. So Liverpool, they need a W and, and they need a fast. Um, watching their defense, like someone like Virgil van Dijk, who is afraid of dribbling stats. I honestly think that's what it is. Like that's why he doesn't dive into tackles because he doesn't want to be that guy who loses <laughs> tackles when the stats show but then there's also stats that show that he doesn't really tackle like the rest of the team does and so um he just we're just staring at Jaden Sancho who took his goal beautifully by the way that's composure of like 99 he took his time imagine having two seconds on the ball in the in a six-yard box before shooting um that's and and the transfer season is not over yet for um, for United, so let's see who else they bring in to strengthen the squad. Yeah. Do you know, do you know who they're playing next? Uh, I don't know, but we can look it up. Um, oh, checking my. Uh, I usually uh, just get alerts for that on, on, on my phone. Uh, oh, okay. They play Southampton um on Saturday. So leaving Man United, let's talk about Mi's new album. You've been listening yep, to it. Yep. Right? Yeah, I have. I've, I've had it on heavy rotation since it, since it dropped. That's dope. Um, I've only listened twice. So tell me about it. Tell me about it. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's great first, right? He he has a reputation to live up to for, you know, creating great bodies of work. Um, I think his last or his second, his last main body of work was not as commercially popular, but it was something that I really liked. That was, I think, the Young Denzel um, thing. So this one is called The Guy. Um, it has, and it's one of those things where, like, a lot of um, Nigerian pop stars are not very autobiographical in their work. Like, they will just sing about, you know, what's happening, or they will just, like, sing about vibes, stuff that will make people, you know, feel good, which is not like, it's not knocking on that, but sometimes, you know, um, people like fans want to connect with the artist. And of course, I mean, when, you've, when you're a big star like he is and has been around for however many years, you know, um, people want to like connect with you and people can't connect with you in person. However, the funny thing is, when he dropped this album, he now did like um, he did a club tour, he did Twitter Spaces, he did podcasts, you know, and all that. And each time he talks about himself and connects like the stuff that's going on in his life with the records he's made, it just makes it's just a lot more endearing. Um, in fact, for many pop stars, when the more you hear about their personal life, you're like, you know what, keep that to yourself because it's usually like chaotic. In a in a bad way, you know. Um, but but he 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 comes through on this album. Um, he talks about you know he co- he has a couple of lovey dovey tracks on this one. If I think this might be the album with the most lovey tracks on it, because yeah. I think there's like three of three of, the, of them. Um, he's got you know your regular braggadocio rap song on hit. That's his favorite record. That one comes with no hook. He just straight raps from beginning to end. And then he's got my favorite track is called Oil, uh, featuring Benson. And that track, like if you look at the lyrics of it and even the tone, it looks like something that would fit very well, like the Book of Psalms from the Bible. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's a really great, it's a really great album. Um, people will keep you know talking about it for 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 a minute. Uh, I hope to see you know videos and whatnot, and probably even live performances. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like I said, I, I listened twice and. I feel like the more I listen, the more connected I'll be to the record the way you are, because you put it on rotation, like you said. But one of my favorite things about hip hop is when I have when I listen to a record and the opening track just grabs my attention. It just keeps me going for the entirety of, of the album for the most part. And the titular track itself, the guy, is yeah. so hard hitting. You know, the way it starts. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like it's almost like, yeah, welcome. And this is um this is setting the stage for what's to come right and i really enjoyed that and in the soft life with vino who we both went to school with who like making waves on the record right and yeah how they're, how they're able to tie that soft life um slang to um tony and, like Lou and, and, and all that exactly yeah like so to, to me this soft life track like I heard it and I was like, okay, this is the bullion van of this album. You remember <laughs> bullion van? Yes, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's why I thought of that that track, right? But yeah. while bullion van was about like saying how wealthy you are, this one is saying that you're wealthy, but you're wealthy by working hard, exactly. which is which just shows like growth and maturity. If you think about between when bullion van came out and then and uh, and this one. Um, that's what that's what you want to yeah. see, right? That's what you want to see on a record. Yeah, you want yeah, to see you yeah. want to see your artists like you want to see their characters the way they evolve. Um, yeah. And then he had Nas on the record. You can talk about that. Oh damn! So that <laughs> 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 was that's a, a big omission. But um, I really like that record. Uh, and I mean, he got into that and said, you know, like they had to go through lots of people to be able to get the connect, get the record, get it cleared and all that. Um, so I would even give hats off to whoever like the producer and the mixer um, is for that record, because mm-hmm. when you have features like three people like that, him, Olamde, and then he went on Twitter and said, you know, like he just asked Olamde for the hook, Olamde gave it to him the next morning, it, which is it, a it, very it, good chorus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, whoever produced that, like, the thing is, when you share a feature, most people imagine that the two or three artists are in the studio at the same time. But the truth is that that doesn't happen very often. Yep. So, when you have, like, bits and pieces of it like that, where Emma is maybe recording in Lagos, Nas is recording, you know, in US. Uh, Olambia and MI were not even in the same space. Probably maybe he recorded this in his home studio or whatever. Um, then you now have, like, you need a producer to be able to put it together to make it feel like, you know, uh, all three artists were on the same track, which um, I don't know who produced that track, but whoever did, whoever mixed it, kudos to them. Um, kudos to all the people who were able to get um, Nelson track. Because you, you want to be able to feel like, I mean, Nas is an OG. Everyone in rap looks up to him. But you also want you to feel like, you know, like your your greats here are doing stuff at the level as your greats there. 
which is which is brilliant to see you know both of them um, on that track. Funny thing again was I thought Olamide was going to rap on that track when I saw the track listing. Yeah. So, <laughs> but then he just came and crooned the hook, and I was like, well, this is brilliant. Like it works. It definitely it, works. It works. You expect somebody who's so versatile like Olamide, or somebody who who will really like kill if he had to rap, but he decided to just like lay back and just just you know. Just hook it up, basically. Yeah. It's it's um it's a it's a good body of work. I'm glad we spent this long talking about MI. He's come a long way. He's always been there, and he's he's a very special character in in the Nigerian music scene too, or even African at large, because there's a constant pivot to um more mainstream music like Afrobeats, for example, by many artists who would yeah. rather rather rap but you know this dude is like nah man this is why i know how to do best you know it's not about selling your soul it's about telling your story and well i think we've gone on on this for a while but um i think it needs mentioning he's one of the few people who's been able to do it well to the point where like people like it so people have always had this hesitation towards rap and they've always tried to like set rap and you know your regular afro pop like facing opposite directions um and then both times it, it now seems like people who rap have to now go in the afro pop direction because that seems to be the thing that's blowing up but he's been able to do it in such a way where it doesn't even sound like he was facing the opposite direction to begin with he was just in this lane where he could make you know rap songs rap records and they'd be good, and they'd, and they'd also be, like, widely accepted and widely enjoyed, which Agreed. is, like, something that has been very difficult for many rap artists in Nigeria to crack. So Agreed. kudos to him for the record. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hats off, Emaya Baga. And the last topic we're going to be talking about today is, you know, the student loan forgiveness that happened in the U.S. Um, I think you wanted to talk about this, but I think, is, is it 10 grand they're uh, writing off for people who already have student loans? Yeah, so um, uh, America is a very funny, it's a funny country. <laughs> so yes, so they've said 10 grand. Um, I wouldn't even call it forgiveness, I'll call it debt relief because for some people, their loans have entered six figures, right? Yep. That's the, the amount they're supposed to repay because they're adding interest on those loans and those interests are compounding. Um, so what they said was 10 grand if you make and you qualify if you make if you currently make um, I think 125k yeah, uh, USD right. and above. Um, so it sounds it sounds fair, right? I think it is fair. Um, but the thing is, there's a lot of moving pieces. The first thing is that the cost of um, tertiary education in the US has gone up significantly and a lot of that cost has gone into things that are not directly tied to you know um, education so people have been complaining that this thing is it's like it's even ballooning faster than inflation of any other thing right and people are beginning to see less and less value in a four-year college education because someone can just do a six-month online course and then build a six-figure business or career from that yep. you know so people are beginning to ask the 
the tertiary institutions, like what value are you really adding for the amount of money that you people are demanding besides the status of, oh, I have a bachelor's degree, you know. Um, so there's that. So th I think that one needs to be tackled. Now, the other part that people who maybe they work their butts off to be able to pay off their student loans and in doing so, works their way out of um, any less than that 125K, who feel like, um, like they, they might feel a bit slighted, right? Might feel like, well, I mean, yes, I paid off my student loans. Yes, I earn more than 125K, but if you dash me 10K right now, I wouldn't mind. She gets. So, yeah, that's how, that's how someone like that might feel. So some, there are people who feel like, thing is unfair um i think you know there, there are some of these um european countries where even tertiary education is subsidized or even free and i think america is one of the countries that is wealthy enough to provide um affordable uh tertiary education without these back-breaking loans so they need to just figure something out um both from the school the tuition the schools charge to how the interest rates are calculated because like the whole thing is just the banks are the ones mind you that money is not like it's going to disappear into thin air is that the government is going to take from its money and give it back to the institutions or the banks right. so it's not like the money is just going to disappear on behalf of the people who are owing that money so now someone who feels like they've paid theirs and they are still paying taxes they now feel slighted like, oh, okay, so I'm now basically paying for somebody else. But that's the part where you might now want to appeal to people's um, sentiment or sensibility. Like, this thing has been breaking the backs of many young people, you know, like, for real. So, um, they, I don't think, like, the kind of arguments I see online about it um, can be very dismissive. Uh, it's one of those things, and America hasn't had a culture of, you know, nuanced back and forth conversation in a long time. But from the outside, looking at what's going on, it's like, yeah, this thing is fair, and I can you can also see how some other people might feel kind of slighted. But there has to be some sort of middle ground. I think it's a good development. Um, and there's some people are also worried about slippery slope, like, oh, okay, uh, well, if you forget, forgive this one. Will you start forgiving mortgages? Will you start forgiving, you know, credit, credit card debt? Like, where, where's the end line? But I think that people, like, pushing it too far, um, they, should, they should deal with this one first. If those ones come up and you can now start another argument about that one, you, you'll, be, you'll be fine. <laughs> I agree entirely with, with all the things you said. And I, I kind of find it interesting that uh, people have to make six figures to qualify for some kind of forgiveness or something because there's a lot of people who are owing a lot of money and can't even make six figures right and the fact that this is or it could be considered no 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 so, so it is that you 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 make less than six figures to qualify oh you have to make um 125k or less right yeah you have to make less than 125k to qualify for the 10k death forgiveness yeah so people making 100 grand they still get loan forgiveness, right? For the 10 grand? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, okay. Okay, I mean, fair. So, it's on 125 and below. Yeah, that kind yeah. of checks out. But, you know, there's a lot of talk, chatter about 
how it's obviously a politically motivated move because midterm elections are coming up soon, right? Oh, and, definitely. And this is, gonna, this is estimated to cost like the U.S. government about $300 billion, um to pay those people we talked about earlier, you touched on, you know, whether yep. it's the banks or the institutions. And that said, like the, the collective money that is old is about $1.6 right now, which is just ridiculous. Wow. Um, wow. I don't know if that's a word, but I think it fits the current situation. And I'm just curious as to what they have in store, like what's next? Because this is a taste, right? Before the elections come on, like, hey, this is what we can do. Vote for us uh, in the midterms. We're going to maybe take another 15 grand off, you know, if, you know, or whatever. That, that's, that's the slippery slope some people are worried about. You know, it the thing exactly. is, like, um, the two sides in U.S. politics right now is like, if one side comes up with a policy, then the other side... It almost seems like the default position of the other side. I guess one side I typically call the opposition, but it's like the def- default position is for them to um, oppose that policy, as yeah. opposed to looking at the policy on its own merit. It's like, oh, okay, it came from someone from the other party, so therefore it we, we must not like it, you know, as a matter of principle, which is which is just a very flawed way of looking at things. It is flawed, but it's popular amongst the diehard supporters of each party, right? And it's yeah, just yeah. sad. I think it's a very sad. People have tied their identities to it. Yeah, exactly. It's on. It's 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 not it's not a, a clear, concise way of thinking. It, it's a slippery slope for for just borderline hate, right? Because when yep. you cannot see the merit of what someone is doing, just because you're conditioned to believe, you know bad good there's no there's no gray area right you, you don't yeah it, it it doesn't even make room for conversation and, and a lot of resolution comes from conversation yeah all right so mr joe biden and his headaches might be a good place to wrap this episode you know i'm glad yeah. we got a chance to talk about it you know all the way from aj boxing and then joshua wishing him all the best you know kamaro's man we're hoping he comes back and starts kicking butt again House of the Dragon episode two is gonna drop this weekend, so you better hurry up and catch up, right? Um, yeah. I'm gonna see what Man United do uh, in the league this weekend, and uh, I'm gonna put that MIS album on rotate. All right, my man, this has been a fun one. Yep. yep. As always, you know where to find us. Uh, everywhere you get your podcasts, listening to Backyard Conversations, and keep those five star review coming. We love it. Backyard Conversations. We out. Bye.